Good morning. I don't know about you all, but when uh, when we were singing that last song, I was thinking, whatever you were referring to, right? Garth Brooks, eat your heart out, right? Was that not a good song? This is great. This is great. Uh, the praise and worship here, and I want to encourage all of you who are who are watching from uh, another place and here uh, to uh, to consider being part. There's it's good and it's better than anything. Uh, you know, when you're staying away to to worship from home, that's a great thing. That and we're grateful for the opportunity to, to be able to to work things that way. But there's not anything like standing among God's people singing God's praise. Yes. Shoulder to shoulder, hand to hand, you know, praying and singing God's praise. That beats just about everything. So we want to invite you, if you are able to get out uh, from where, where you live, to be here on Sunday morning. We're going to continue a, a survey, I mean, a, a series here. We've been in a longer series on prayer for a while, and, and we are kind of uh, taking a, a little detour, if you will, uh, on, on three... Uh, important kind of chapters in the book of Habakkuk uh, and looking at that we a couple of Sundays ago we we were looking for God with Habakkuk right we're trying to say what is going on we can't seem to find where you are and then with Habakkuk last Sunday we decided just to wait not in a in a kind of a a passive waiting but an active waiting God what are you doing and this this Sunday We'll be finding God with, with Habakkuk, right? And so we will get there to chapter three. If, uh, if you will look in your Bibles, you know, you get to the beginning of New Testament, you just flip back a little bit. You got a few things just before, you know, that if you've come backwards from, from the end of the Old Testament. You know, I read a research, a research that was done with chicken, uh, several years ago. And you put them in a cage and there were two buttons. There was a red and a green button. And when they were pecking on, on the green button, a uh, little chicken feed will come out or little grains will come out under the button. And they were picking on the, on the red, nothing happened. And as you've already guessed, it didn't take them long to learn that kind of game, right? So they just pecked on the green, right? So every time they pecked, something will come out. Yes, we get this, yes? And so that went on for a while. And, <clears throat> and then they said, let's try to switch the function of the button. So now it'll be the red button uh, where things will come out and the green, nothing would happen when they picked on that. And they kept going to the green and they just pecked. They have stopped pecking on the red one a long time ago. And finally, after a while, it took some time, but they found out that nothing came out when they pecked on the green. So they just stopped pecking altogether. Never tried the red. And I wondered, how does that apply to our prayer life? How has it come to the point where my prayer lives are are chicken-like? <laughs> we come to faith, we're excited about God, we, we pray, we're involved, we go to the place all the time where we know we meet God and, and we're there and and then it kind of become a thing. And then we just anticipate God's doing what we're praying about. And then we find out that it's not just me saying something and he's doing it. And then prayer becomes less and less. And finally, we just kind of stop. 
Is it because we have forgotten that what we talked about also uh, early Sunday or last Sunday, right? That, that unanswered prayers, when God says wait, so to speak, are not the same as God not hearing our prayers. God's silence is never empty silence. Do we forget sometimes that that God does not have to answer in the exact way that we pray, that, that sometimes he wants to give us more than what we actually pray for. No, people's prayers and God's answering of that prayer is a topic I think that most Christians have been concerned with for many times. At least uh, we should be, sometimes more than others maybe. And so I want to end this little kind of a detour on, on prayer, if you will, from, from chapter 3 of Habakkuk. And look at that under that heading, Finding God. Chapter 1, as already uh, referred to, was, was Habakkuk being frustrated. I'm praying, God, I don't see you do what I'm asking you to do. And then he decides to wait, not passively, but actively to say, okay, then I'm going to be looking for your hand. I'm going to see what you would do differently from what I just kind of asked you to do. And then suddenly he finds God after he had recognized that there was purpose in God's wait. Now he is formulating a prayer that cries out full of anticipation, full of excitement, about God. And I'm going to read the first four verses of chapter 3 of Habakkuk right now. And then I'm going to read another four verses later on, beginning in verse 17. So I'll ask you who are, who are dealing uh, with, the, with the PowerPoints to kind of be ready for that in a little bit in the sermon. Chapter 3 reads like this. A prayer of the prophet of Habakkuk according to Shigionath. Lord, I have heard the report about you. Lord, I stand in awe of your deeds. Revive the work in these days. Make it known in these years in your wrath. Remember mercy. God comes from Teman, the holy one from the Mount of Paran. His splendor covers the heavens and the earth is full of his praise. His brilliance is like light. Rays are flashing from his hand. This is where his power is hidden. And then we'll go to verse 17, but I want to hold off on that a little bit and just simply comment at this point, uh, saying, uh, talking about how prayer and faith is inextricably moored together. The person who does not really deeply, genuinely believe that God is able to intervene locally and specifically in their situation and broadly in the world will only pray little and will do so poorly. What that means, of course, is that there is a difference in the way and upon which background one prays. It's Jesus' half-brother James who says when you pray, you do not receive because you pray poorly. I wish he hadn't written that. Everybody wonders what in the world does that mean? Now the famed theologian and churchman, uh, 
from, from uh, Switzerland, Kalbart, highlights the other side of that when he says that we pray because we believe that through prayer we can affect God's actions. Now, there's a funny story about this, and I don't want you to get ahead of me with this, and I certainly don't want you to begin to solve the issue. This is a story to highlight something. That's what it is, right? So here's this, this little town that is uh, far away from, from all the hustle and bustle of the big cities, and they have been wonderfully spared uh, from, from the kind of difficulties that come from all the things available in the big city, and they were so happy and joyful for that. Uh, there had been uh, no alcoholism, no drugs, no kind of violence, none of that, and they were pretty convinced it all had to do with them having kept out all the bars and the hunger tunks from their, from their little town. But as things go, of course, as you know, uh, someone had applied and someone higher up had allowed him to build a bar. And lo and behold, it was on the lot across the street from the church. And they were getting together. They were, they were complaining and they were protesting and they were doing all things. But, you know, he had permission. So he just started and, and the building was coming up and it was about to get done. And the good church folks were getting completely frustrated. So they decided to have a whole full night of prayer. We're going to have prayer night where we'll just beg and cry out to God. God, please hinder this. Stop this. And shortly after that, a terrible thunderstorm came through town. And a lightning hit that building and burned it to the ground. The bar owner uh, was furious. So he sued the church. <laughs> and the church responded by hiring a lawyer that could defend them. They wasn't their fault. And so as a the case went, you know, uh, the judge was there and finally he sent the jury out to deliberate. And as they had left the, the room and he was just doing his final remarks and he said, I, no matter what they come back, whatever they come back and say, what I've learned through this process is that the bar owner believes in prayer and the good church folks do not. <laughs> You know, prayer is not just that you throw empty words up into the air. Rather, it's a heartfelt cry to God, a cry that, had, that has God's direction exactly because it is birthed in the soil of faith. Faith that God has the power to do what he wills. A heart cry that is just thrown out into the air, hoping to find some answer someplace. Such a person that pray like that, James said, should not anticipate getting anything from God. Prayer toward the God Almighty is connected with a faith that affirms just that, that God is mighty and powerful. I hope we're getting this. I'm going to de develop that just a little bit. But that's where it's rooted. 
There's another side of that whole thing that we kind of have bought into a little bit, and I may have to kind of comment on that a little bit. In the last several decades, it's been custom that we just kind of let leave God out. We just talk about faith. We even have a T-shirt that just says, believe. And you're asking, believe what? Believe who? What's the object of the belief? Who is that belief in? And it kind of leaves and we have these highlights of you got to believe in yourself. you got to really believe that. If you truly believe that, you can accomplish that. As if faith didn't have a direction other than whatever we give it. And friends, when that happens, the very essence of prayer changes. It is it's moving from being a matter of subjecting oneself to God and to his reign and to his sovereignty and to his power. And it becomes just a presentation of what I want because I believe it. And we even use it sometimes as a payment. Even in Christian circles, we will say, well, God, I have faith for that. It better happen because I have faith for that, as if faith was a payment for prayer. And that all may work fine, I, I don't know, when things are just going our way and we really believe something and it kind of happens because we just put our whole selves into it, that may be good. But when life comes at us in the hardest of ways, beating and buffeting and, and hitting us with all things, then it will quickly be revealed whether our prayers are built on human strength or built on the strength that comes from the Almighty. Faith that latches on to God, true Christian faith that let its anchor kind of fall down into the depths of God's being, God's sovereignty, God's power. That's the kind of faith that experiences, you know, strength that it has can come only from the heights of heaven. Faith that finds its strength from God's strength and not just expresses a wishful thinking that if I do it, believe it enough, it's going to happen. I hope you see the difference. Do you see the difference on the direction of the prayer and the strength and the depths that it reveals? It's enormous. And if you really grasp it, if you get it, it will change not only the way you pray, it will change the way you understand who God is and the way you understand who you are. That's, friend, where... We meet Habakkuk in chapter 3. Chapter 1, he was confused. In chapter 2, he said, I got to figure this out. And now in chapter 3, 
We find someone who is able to formulate in prayer that is so stirring with power, so clear in its expression of what it anticipates from God and not from himself, that we have to kind of let our jaw fall. This is power. If you recognize the difference between chapter 1 and chapter 3, it's amazing. It's like not the same person almost. In full poetical form, you see a psalm or a hymn. It kind of flows like that from his lips where he's asking God. He's interceding for himself and for his people, asking God to renew and to make visible his saving work in the present. Can we read that again? Just notice the poetic force, and it's even clearer if you could read the original here. But let's read it here in English. Lord, I've heard the report about you. Lord, I stand in awe of your deed. Revive your work again in these years. Make them known. Here's a prayer that is deeply grounded in the experience that God is God and I'm not. I'm but a human. And Habakkuk is placing himself in just the right position for prayer. He is in the position of humility. Don't miss this, friends. Look back in the text and see what's happening. His eyes have moved from the problems that towers around him all everywhere he looks. He's no longer blinded by by the misstep and the sin and, and the transgression of God's people and the enormous violence and evil actions of the enemies. He has turned his eyes toward God whose reputation he knows, whose deeds will fill him with awe. And it's this kind of renewed perspective that places him in the position of humility before God. Habakkuk had not lost perspective. He was keenly aware that God's wrath would come upon disobedience. But his anticipation is now anchored in God's deeds, not in his own wishful thinking. And so he is able to express this prayer of faith that he can kind of nail down, if you will, He can make it abundantly clear that he trusts that God will intervene. He trusts that God will do so even during these years before the years have passed, if you will. And then comes, and I'll help you reading from verse 17 and on. One of the most riveting prayers that we have, a recognition of God's power and sovereignty Look here in verse 17. From what we had just said, here flows this prayer. He said, though the fig trees does not bound and there is no fruit on the vines, 
Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though the flocks disappear from the pen and there are no herds in the stalls yet, yet I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord, my, uh, the Lord, my Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like those of a deer and enables me to walk on the mountain heights. In modern English, friends, that means even if I lose my job, if my health fails, if all the powers of hell seems to gather around me and press in on my circumstance, if my finances are failing, if I'm overlooked at the promotion and next time at my job, if everything is coming apart, if my friends are leaving me, yet I will never stop praising my God. That's what he's saying right here, just translate his words uh, about the sheep and all into modern English, and you see that's exactly what he's saying. Are we hearing what's going on? I think God is speaking to us even now, even here. People who have found the true living God. They lower their anchor into the depth of his loving being, into the depth of the one who will for us to know who he is and what he's doing. And it is from this beginning point, if you will, and only from this beginning point, that we'll find the power to really face what's going on in this world these days with everything else that towers up around us. You know, the, I thought about the Psalm 23. Most people know that. I've met even people who are not believers who claim to never read scriptures. They still knew Psalm 23. If we prayed that from the shallow side, the way it's often done when we pray other prayers, we would have said, or David would have said, Lord, spare me from the valley of death and shadow of evil. Just spare me from it. Lord, I have faith, even if we want to use that way. I believe that you will save me. From the valley of the shadow of death. Spare me from even getting there. Now contrast that. With a faith that had lowered his anger. And feels strong in God. And David would say. Yea. Though I shall walk. Through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil because your rod and your staff is my comfort. May God give us, friends, that we who gather here, this people of God called the First Baptist Church of Louisville, 
Those of you who are listening also from wherever you are, may God give to us that we get this and so that our prayer is shaped and directed like this last way of doing it. Yea, though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, I fear no evil for your staff and your rod is with me. See, when people's prayer is full of that kind of eagerness to know who God is, everything changes. May God speak to us like this. Can I ask you? I had to ask myself. I think I, can, I have the ability to ask you in a personal, direct way. Not just a rhetorical question. Hear it as a personal question. You don't have to answer it out loud, but you do have to answer it in your own heart. Which way is your prayer turned? Where does your faith find its strength? Nothing to do with the kind of verbs or the words that you're using. That doesn't count much. What matters is where your faith lives, where your prayer and your faith, if you will, lowers its anchor to find solid ground. It is the God that you worship and pray, truly the almighty creator who made himself known through his son, Jesus Christ, as our loving father who cares deeply both for each of us and for all of us, indeed for his whole creation. Is that the God you truly worship? Don't be flippant. Say, yes, sure. Ask yourself that, friends. That's where strength for life is found. If you have made him anything less than that, then remember that word right here. When Habakkuk says, in your wrath, remember your mercy. God has no desire to leave you in chapter 2 or even in chapter 1 of Habakkuk. What he desires is for you to be walking through things just like Habakkuk and land where Habakkuk landed. Change your life. God desires to show you that kind of mercy. And so he will lead you from frustration and confusion, maybe even irritation, into trust and loving care with an anchor deeply lowered into his loving, powerful, mighty character. Can we land there, friends, as a church, you as an individual, those you witness to, us together as First Baptist Louisville, it literally will, and you know it will, change this world. Yes, it will change your neighborhood. It will change the county. It will change the world. Sounds like 
fine words, but they are straight from God's word. Let's stand, friends. Lord, I ask that you will pour out over this congregation and all those who are part of this that are listening in and and I want to be here, and they are just away for, for this Sunday, and well, they are locked to their location. But, Father, would you pour out your love, pour out your spirit, allow us to see clearly when we lower our anchors of things that doesn't hold. Allow us to sink deep, deep into the depths of God's sovereign power, the love and faithfulness that we recognize through his son, Jesus Christ. We ask that you'll forgive us, Father, when we have done these things that acts and looks like we have not even understood the first thing about your power. But we claim your mercy. We ask for your presence in ways that we have not recognized it for a long time change us right here right now the prayers that we pray we alone with friends in Bible study groups in our Sunday school class wherever we are may it be even as we grab hand of a friend or a spouse or a child may it be that it evidences that we have understood who we are and who you are most of all. Your name we pray. Amen. Friends, there'll be some of you here that might want to surrender your life for the first time. And if you're listening online, don't hesitate to give us a call. We'd love to talk to you about it. Might be others of you that say, hey, I need to find a church fellowship just like this. I need to be part and not just walk around solo. This is the time. We'll spend this time praying if you need to rededicate your life and recognize you become like that chicken that keep pushing on that, picking on that green button and then finally stops. Let's pray. Let's just take this serious. God is calling us in the strongest way. Lead us, please.